Hail and well met. I'm Alyssa. I'm Jenna. I'm Kenna Rose. And I'm Eliana. In this episode, this is part one of a two-part series that is speaking on the cultural push of transgenderism. But most importantly, we are confronting this issue from a biblical perspective. And in this episode, we will be covering the topics of the current transgender issues and the targeting of children that is going on, a biblical perspective on the LGBTQ community, some of the causes of this transgenderism and why there's such this wave that is going through America, and finally, asking the seemingly pressing question in the culture, is there something special about being a woman? And what is a woman? What is a woman? I have no idea. I'm no, just kidding. <laughs> but before we get started, I would like to say a disclaimer that some of the topics that we are going to be discussing and commenting on are graphic in content as a lot of these issues in the culture are getting extremely, extremely perverted. Perverted. So Absolutely. you might want a trash can next to you. Honestly. <laughs> yes. It's hard to believe that these things even need discussion. I know. It's yeah. Yep. So Eliana, what are we seeing right now which, with transgenderism and the Gen Z generation? What's going on right now? So actually, this is a problem that is becoming more and more increasingly common. Uh, we are seeing it more often in places that, I guess it's just becoming more normalized to the extent like we're seeing that Target is selling pride shirts and they're selling books for kids and they have graphic tees with things like uh, pronouns on them. And this is this is for kids, children. Like yeah. toddlers, right? Toddlers, elementary, and they're selling bibs for babies that say my first pride. and Because you can't start them too young. And it's becoming a more and more blatant option to little kids. And, and that's just it, is it's becoming an option. It's becoming normal for them. Exactly. Would you say it's like being pushed on kids somewhat too? I would say absolutely it's being pushed on. All you kids. have to do is look at what Disney Plus is putting out. Um mm-hmm. I th- so wasn't the, wasn't the CEO recorded saying that from now on about 50% of their content will be LGBTQ+. Yes. Plus? yes. Mm-hmm. And like we don't this isn't normal. Like for other I guess issues that would be considered human ri- human rights issues it that's that doesn't happen, right? Like th- it's just it's being pushed in general and one of the uh, sad things from target was they had a boys precious moments love is love t-shirt with uh, two girls on it and so sickening it makes me that so was something sad. that made me and my sister really sad because yeah like we enjoyed precious moments as a family we collected them but they were sweet things like that you had a little boy with a duck or a little girl with her kitten yeah not these blatantly heinous messages attacking kids so more things that we've seen and actually things that have been around for a little while are drag queen reading times in libraries i think it was michael knowles who said that you used to have to search this stuff out like you would find drag queen shows and stuff in like the seediest of the fringe yeah exactly like these would be things that you would have to search out or at least be in that world but now they're coming to your children and reading them stories and teaching them these things it's grown men putting on extravagant makeup and accentuating parts that first he doesn't even have it's gross and second yeah it's just it's plain gross Lori higgins puts it this way she says that men who dress up as women are literally donning women face yeah mm, that's, that's a good interesting way to put yeah. it and I think with that, like, it shows the steep decline of our culture and really the lack of godliness and uh, really the need for God in a culture. Yeah. Also, I would just like to say 
that it surprises me that feminists aren't um, outraged by this. Hopping all over this. Oh, How agree. dare you 100%. as a man, as a man, pretend to look and act like me? Exactly. There's something special I mean, about think me. With the that was the whole feminist movement. Yeah, you'd think with the whole I'm a woman, hear me roar, they'd be kind of offended and irritated that men are pretending mm-hmm. to be women. Mm-hmm. And they contradict themselves constantly. Like, they want to say these gender stereotypes, they're wrong, but at the same time, they're like, hey, if you're a boy, it's okay to want to be like a girl. And then they use that to say what it's like. For example, there's this book uh, called Jack, Not Jackie. And it's a book where a big sister realizes that her little sister, Jackie, doesn't like, and this is the description of it doesn't like dresses or fairies she likes ties and bugs will she and her family be able to accept that jackie identifies more as jack i found this interesting because if they identify masculinity by the name jack and say that is what she wants to play or that's why she wants to play with mud and she likes ties and bugs they're actually giving masculinity and femininity its own definition when Mm. they're saying already that it's not the definition that they're actually giving it so it's very confusing well, think of it this way. If you don't have a foundational truth, if Christ is not the foundation on which you're building the house, mm-hmm. there is no foundation for any of this. So a man, what does that mean? A woman, what does that Absolutely. mean? What are they going to so, go off of? Honestly, this is the logical default for people mm-hmm. without Christ in the picture. Exactly. And all things aside, like if you just take a step back, no matter what your views are, about uh, homosexuality and about transgenderism and all of these things, no matter if you believe it's right or wrong, think about enforcing it on children. This is sexualization of little kids and it's actually, it's grooming, it's abuse. Yep. Uh, I was in a Barnes and Noble and they had a whole wall of pride books for kids, toddlers. And one of them, exactly. And one of them was called, if you're a drag queen and you know it. And I opened this book because I was a little curious and its description is if you're a drag queen and you know it let it show by winking shaking your bum laughing real big twirling around and more and when i opened this book and i saw the page that said shaking your bum i mean they had like literal cartoon pictures of people's bottoms sticking like it's just it's horrendous it's horrible and this stuff is for kids this is for that's what you call soft pornography absolutely and they have a, a companion book called the hips on the drag queen go swish 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 and it's written by a board member of Drag Drag Queen Story Hour. Mm. Can you Drag Queen Story Hour? Can you like believe There's a that literal we've organization? This to that, exactly. Yeah. And the fact that it's an organization that's being allowed to thrive and sell books for kids and being accepted right. in mm-hmm. culture in general. Yeah, and it's not even stores. Like this is being taught to your children in their schools, and. Like, it's, this isn't the only thing. It doesn't just go to the indoctrination. There's actual um, grooming and effects that they're doing. Like, they have gender-affirming therapy or, or um, as Michael Knowles has said, de- gender-denying therapy. Exactly, because what is gender-affirming therapy? Exactly. Like, Alyssa um, was pointing this out earlier. I mean, it kind of is an oxymoron saying mm-hmm. gender-affirming therapist. What are you there for as a therapist if you have a client coming to you with confusion or a problem and all you do is affirm, affirm, affirm. Like, exactly. And I support you I in support your urge you. to chase people right. with machetes. You're not being your a therapist. You're not guiding. Okay. Right. Your problem is okay. Yes. And that's, that's not helpful at all. No. So what you were saying about this is being taught to kids in public schools, that's why the 
organization that we all work closely with, Illinois Family mm-hmm, Institute, mm-hmm. that is why they have an initiative right now going on called Public School Exit. Yes. And what they're trying to do right now in Illinois is to contact pastors and churches and encourage them to get their congregation out of the basically missionary camps mm-hmm. that are public schools right now because it's not whether your child will learn or have a faith or have a religion it's which absolutely and, and who's going to be teaching that mm-hmm. to them if your child is in we've, we've said this before if your child is in a school five six days a week and then going to church on sunday that doesn't really counter any of what the child has been learning i mean one hour of being told something versus five to six hours a day absolutely and it's uh adolf hitler who said he alone who owns the youth gains the future and like you think this horrible horrible person can recognize that yeah that if you indoctrinate the children those children are going to grow up believing that mm-hmm. that said we are not nazis just because we quote hitler absolutely oh not at all <laughs> we're just we're just showing that like this is a common fact that isn't even an opinion. it's used by heinous dictators mm-hmm. exactly so with the jack jackie wants to be defi- defined as jack what was that what was that age range of the book I think the age range was four to eight, which is oh my unbelievable. Goodness. Think That's about terrible. like preschoolers, kindergartners, like Those first. Kids. And what does the Bible say about that? Well, so the Bible talks about. I think it's at least three places that it says that it would be better for somebody who causes a little one to stumble, for them to have a millstone tied around their neck, and for them to be thrown in the ocean. The Bible says this in at least three places. I think it's three places. Yeah, in the synoptics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like. You think God cares so, so much about this and the little kids and what they're being taught and and really their souls. Because it comes down to less of a question of what you believe and more about where your soul is at. Mm-hmm. And it's like this; these things have a ricochet effect on the rest of their lives. Like it's mm-hmm. not like it's just something that they're going to believe and they That's can scary. sort out when they're older. It, the indoctrination carries through for the rest of their lives. Yep, even if they're debriefed after it, it still has an effect on them. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So in light of all of these things, some people come at it with, yeah, it's bad, but, you know, what's the big deal? At least it's not my kids. Or, you know, what worldview are we coming at it with? Why does this matter? Why is your opinion more valid than mine? So, Kenna, why... What does the Bible have to say about this? And why should we care what the Bible yeah, has to say about this? Yeah, why should we care? Very good questions. The Bible actually has a ton to say on marriage and gender because, I mean, God created it. And it's a foundation. Exactly. I mean, it was specifically set in the beginning during creation. You can see it in Genesis one twenty seven and Genesis 2.24. It was, again, like, confirmed throughout the Old Testament in, like, Leviticus 18.22 and 20.13. And then again reiterated in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 6, 10 through 9, 1 Timothy 1, 10, Matthew 19, 4 through 6, Mark 10, 6 through 9, and Romans 1, 26 through 27. Mm-hmm. And you have Matthew 19, 4, where Jesus specifically says, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. And then you have it listed in with other sins such as um, thieving, 
lying, adultery, idolatry. So what we see here is that gender and marriage and everything like that is actually a very big foundation. and It is. And God treats it as, I guess, a building block for a lot of things. I mean, and it's imagery, too. Like, you think of the church and the bride as marriage. Yes. I really also wanted to point out real quickly uh, why we're naturally going into why marriage is important is because the entire sexual revolution was designed to destroy God's design for men and women, exactly. which was um, being in the covenant of marriage and raising mm-hmm. children in that covenant. That is why it, sexual perversion is so prevalent today. Mm-hmm. Yes. Would you guys agree with that? Absolutely. I would agree. Mm-hmm. I wanted to say that occasionally you'll see or hear the claim that the scripture verses in the Bible that specifically list homosexuality as a sin, along with idolatry, adultery, thieving, and lying, have actually mistranslated the word that means homosexuality. Yes, that's I've a, heard that. Yeah, that's a claim mm-hmm. you'll hear sometimes. Um, even if the claim were true that those verses, 1 Timothy um, one ten and 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10 mistranslated the word, you'd still have places such as Romans 1, I yes. think it's yep. 26 through 27, where it's actually kind of just spelled out. Exactly, where women gave up natural relations and treated right. those for contrary to and nature. you mm-hmm. would have the verses where God clearly defines what marriage and gender are, like Genesis 1, 27, mm-hmm. or 2, 24, and Matthew 19, 4. Um, And the word homosexual wasn't a common English word for a while, according to my research. The first time the word was actually used was in the late 1800s. So considering it would take a while for that word to become a common word. Yeah, have a dictionary definition and everything. Right, which would make sense as to why it doesn't appear in translations until later. The Greek word, though, does actually mean homosexual. Yes, and going back to what Jenna said about the sexual revolution and everything like that, I would agree with you also that that is what has to do a lot with like what's happening today but I would also say that to go beyond that just a little bit I think a lot of it is also about the I don't know what you would call it the want or the love of self right I, we've talked about the altar of I right mm-hmm. and one thing that uh, the Bible talks about I think it's Isaiah 40 is it talks about how like we have our idols that we set up and the thing about yep. us and our n- human nature is that we want to worship something we're naturally inclined to worship that's just how we're made we have a god hole in our exactly heart. and so if we choose to ignore god we have to fill that with something and when you fill it with i you start to replace all of the values that god has given you in the foundation with what you want exactly and you replace them with the things that feel good or make sense to your brain and wasn't it frank turek who is a christian apologist back when he was doing the illinois family institute world food conference and i think it was even 2018 he was saying all the way back then that the god of our day and age is sex that is Mm -hmm. what people have and it makes sense because people literally identify as their sexuality Literally, and it's like there's a... When you're so focused on wanting to feel good, you mm-hmm. end up... That's your that's that's who you become. That's who you right. are. Yeah. You chase after anything that will allow you to, even for a time, and even if it's messed up. Exactly. I wanted to say, and just to be clear, when we're saying all of this, like, I know the past point we talked about this and the problem with kids, right? And that makes me angry, right? What Where it happens with kids, because... It's like, it's such an innocent, tender thing, and it's sad. It's really, really sad. But I also want to just really quick 
talk about uh like the transgenderism of i guess adults and teens and stuff like that and for that like if you're struggling with that and you're struggling with like your gender and not feeling like you were born in the correct the body dysphoria. yeah exactly like we want to say that we're so sorry because it's such a hard thing to be in and the world does not support you in any way and i'd say that there's also a lack of christian support like true godly christian support because there are so many teens and people out there that struggle with gender dysphoria like this is not a new thing it's just now we have it's become so polarized where one side of the world accepts it and says you should just accept it and the other side of the world not always but or not the world the other side not always but you hear a lot I guess um well don't do that yes like don't do that and they kind of like say well that's not really a thing like you know and I feel like they discredit a lot and that sort of thing and so we don't want to do that and we want to say that you know we are so sorry that you have to go through this and just more say I guess this specifically is talking about the indoctrination of kids and all of that and if you are struggling with this I would really encourage you to um, be connected with a Bible-believing church and find Absolutely. a good biblical counselor that can walk with you through this. Yes, find a biblical counselor and find somebody who's going to guide you through this in a biblical mentoring ma- manner because that's what you need. You don't need the world telling you that this is who you've been made to be. Without Christ, you will not be able to Absolutely. find your solution. And it's, it's, it's not true. So, Kenna, I wanted to ask you, why are we talking about marriage when we're talking about sexuality in general general why why is it important to address that well because in the scriptures to quote ally beth stuckey god makes clear his good definition of marriage is between male and female it is rooted in creation genesis 127 it is reiterated throughout scripture it is repeated by jesus in matthew 19 15 it is representative of christ in the church ephesians 5 25 through 33 and therefore is reflective of the gospel it's not arbitrary And it's like, we're given marriage as a picture of Christ and the church. And the roles God created for each gender actually allow us to live out the gospel in our lives. That's so cool. And it it amazes me every single time I hear that. It is, it is so cool. I was very giddy the first time I like put all the pieces together. Yeah, we're really all just beautiful that God allows us to experience that picture here Mm -hmm. on earth while we wait for it in heaven. It's all imitation. It's, it's beautiful. And I mean, God is the one who defines marriage and gender because God is the one who created marriage and gender. And you can see Satan attacking the pictures of Christ in the church or the image of God in this world. Like you can, this is off topic, but with abortion, he's attacking the image of God. Or with marriage, he's attacking that picture of Christ in the church. With the sexual revolution and mm-hmm. with the perversion that is going on in our culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And his goal is to destroy everybody, be they a Christian or someone who identifies as homosexual because both people are made in the image of God. And yeah. so he kind of wants them destroyed. Yeah, all God images he wants to bring down as many as he can with him. Mm, some other things Christians believe about Uh, this whole LGBTQ stuff. Um, We believe that homosexual behavior is sinful, but temptation is not. I mean, the Bible says temptations will surely come, but woe to the one to whom they come. Um, But some people are born with a greater susceptibility to those those, um, homosexual feelings, and some people are born with greater temptations 
adaptations to like steel um but what makes it a sin is when you act on those sinful desires mm-hmm. or like imagine yourself acting on them somewhat too because you think of the scripture that says and fantasizing visualizing right making or things up take any, every thought captive right anything that kind of acts on those sinful desires but this is a sin that christ also died for so if you do struggle with this sin he triumphed over it so you right. can exactly and if you've had past guilt or if you've had past struggles with this sin and you have uh guilt and shame remaining from that know that god died for that too like it's not an unforgivable sin it's yeah christ died for that sin just as he died for all their sins and when you confess with your mouth that jesus is lord and believe in your heart that you god are cleansed in dead, that blood you are you your are sins saved. are completely washed mm-hmm. away you have a clean slate and that means christ will be sanctifying you and will be leading you away from that that doesn't mean you won't be struggling still exactly but it means you will christ will help you and sanctify you to learn better self-control to yes. learn he has overcome the world. Exactly. Thus this you is can. such a hot button issue in our society simply because of the fact that it's so prevalent and present in everyday things and that it's like the more I feel like the more the more something is being pressed upon, the more opposition you need, right? Right. And so we're in this spot where it's being so pressed upon and so pushed that it's like our opposition needs to be that much stronger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why did Sodom and Gomorrah get destroyed i mean you see in jude 1 7 it was because they indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire if we are steadfastly standing for biblical truth i mean and being outspoken about it as well we are going to be destroyed as john adams also said you know if wise men refuse public business others will not but that also applies to culture as well it does if um Christians are not an active part of the culture. Um, the secular secularists will not be avoiding that job right. position. They will be taking it and pushing it towards their agendas. And, and it is literally our duty to speak mm-hmm. out against what is occurring because silence in the face of evil is evil itself. Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer. <laughs> <laughs> and another word on the whole transgender thing Isaiah 45, 9 says, Woe to him who strives with him who formed him, a pot among earthen pots. Does the clay say to him who forms it, What are you making? Or your work has no handles. It is really that idea of thinking, I am, God made me wrong. It's somewhat, it's spitting in the face of God and telling him, You made me wrong. I know better. When God created you and he created you wonderfully and fearfully. So all that said about um, Christians needing to speak up Mm -hmm. in the culture about what is going on, we also need to be offering solutions because the other side is offering solutions. One of their solutions is, yes, you can, in fact, change genders. You can, in fact, identify as both or as neither. And by doing so, you will be all better and all of your problems will be fixed. Exactly. So, Mm -hmm. Alyssa... Is transitioning a solution? That is a great question. It begs the question, why is there such a dramatic increase of transitioning, specifically adolescents, and particularly women, which is actually very interesting? And what has caused this obsession with bodily mutilation and the mental health issues that are prevalent in teenagers today? 
Um, from research I've done, I've identified three main reasons for this transgender wave that has come through the adolescent generation. Okay, shoot. The first one is actually technology. In a summary of Abigail Schreier's book, Irreversible Damage, The Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters, the following statement is taken. The iPhone was released in 2007, and by 2008, 95% of teens had access to a smartphone, and 45% reported being online almost constantly. That's crazy, and it shows you just how addictive social media is. Exactly. That many got that addicted so fast. I know. Tumblr, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube all host a wide array of visual tutorials and pictorial inspiration to self-harm. Um, So much information is available online for anxious teenagers to have their questions answered. The summary goes on to say, the internet has become a repository of videos featuring trans influencers who claim to have suffered from social anxiety for years, but who suddenly started feeling better after starting testosterone. They advise other adolescents to prepare a story about how they've always felt this way. So you can kind of see that with technology, you find people who have the same issues as you. And a lot of the research showed that anxiety was a big one, that I'm feeling anxious because actually I'm not comfortable with the gender I am. I am right now. And by being on Instagram, they see all those photos of like other, their friends and they're like, well, these people look so happy. Mm-hmm. Why don't exactly. I feel this way? You can exactly. really curate your perfect life on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I think it comes actually from a spot like where we as Christians believe that we're all inherently sinful and that we live in a broken, fallen world and that we're not going to have perfection because we live in a fallen world. And so perfection is not something that can be obtained. Uh, at least until Jesus comes back, right? But it's not the same for for people on the other side. Where, and I don't think it's necessarily that they believe that um, all your problems will go away if you transition. Yeah, well, I I guess I would say that they believe that there's a perfect solution when there's and not a perfect solution. If you just try as hard as you can, eventually you'll find it. Exactly, and one finding of, happiness. One of the most influential quotes my pastor, I think um, Pastor Colin Smith said was for Christians, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember it exactly, but for Christians, earth is as close to hell as we're going to experience, but for non-believers, earth is as close to heaven as they're going to experience. And with that in mind, just and not having any hope for life after death, they're going to be chasing after that feeling of what can give them happiness. And when they see all these stories of people who transition and claim all of a sudden all their problems go away and they feel better. Utopia. Mm -hmm. That's That's a really good point. And the second actually biggest indicator of why transgenderism is so common in the adolescent world right now is actually affirmation therapy that is legal in many states like California, Illinois, New York. Um, In Abigail Schreier's book, she mentions a real-life story of a girl named Sally. And the story goes like this. Sally was a dream child, happy, obedient, and well-liked by her peers. She was also extremely athletic. She went through a period where she wanted to be a boy, but that passed very quickly. She was very athletic throughout her youth, and she broke many records in swimming during her freshman year of high school. By her senior year, Sally had been accepted to her top-choice Ivy League school. She came out as a lesbian at college and her parents were relieved. But her parents were also worried about her and sent her to a campus mental health counselor who suggested that she was transgender. Mm. A lot of this is coming from parents with well-intended hearts sending their kids to counselors who are actually putting these ideas 
in people's there minds. There are a lot of stories like, oh, like you that. have social anxiety, you are feeling bad about yourself, you think you're lesbian. Well, would you like to try testosterone? There's a lot of good studies that show that that makes you happier. And so a lot of this is coming from counselors who, quote unquote, counselors who are actually pushing this idea on specifically adolescents and early age college students who are having these problems. So that was a really big eye opener for me that a lot of this is coming from counselors who should be helping people and guiding people because they're mentors, but instead they're actually perpetuators of this abuse of the body. It makes me so sad. Mm -hmm. And the final one was actually peer pressure. Um, Yeah. Peer pressure is a huge, huge influence on students because especially when you see, oh, this person's getting a lot of attention for doing this. Everyone's bringing a beanie baby to school? I should bring a beanie baby. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, I remember in kindergarten, all of my friends had American Girl dolls. And one of my friends invited me to a tea party with her, and I didn't have an American Girl doll, and I wanted one so bad. That's why I got American Girl doll, because everyone else had one. Peer pressure is such a huge influence on students because they see everybody else doing it and they see the amount of attention and like the amount of praise someone's getting for doing that. And with the transgender stuff, when children come out, they're being pressured by their teachers. They're being told how brave and stunning they are for doing so. And the teachers don't tell their parents, so they don't have to worry about what's mom and dad going to say to this. So they're in the perfect environment for peer pressure to kind of like stew and exactly. bubble and exactly. cause problems. And this is also taken from a summary of Abigail Schreier's book. Um, in 2016, Lisa Lippman, an OBGYN turned public health researcher, was scrolling through social media when she notices a statistical peculiarity. Several adolescents, most of them girls, from her small town in Rhode Island had come out as transgender. She knew almost nothing about gender dysphoria, but she knew enough to recognize that the numbers were much higher than what would be expected. The paper explained that a sudden spike in transgender identification among adolescent girls was not explained by increased societal acceptance of LGBTQ members, but rather by peer contagion. Dr. Lippman's research was attacked and her methods were questioned, despite the fact that she used a standard method of assessing child and adolescent mental health. That's crazy. And you see the silencing of these voices. Like, if these, if, I guess, if truth, if they, if these people wanted to see truth, right? And And they they really did want to help these hurting kids. Exactly. And they wanted to be helping these hurting kids. They would take something like this and they would look at the other options instead of just shutting everything down and labeling it as inaccurate. Exactly. And that kind of relates a little bit to the affirmation therapy. And the summary goes on to state the following, following, which relates to affirmation therapy and people who have actually undergone transgender reassignment surgery. It says, there are no studies that show affirmation therapy helps cure mental health problems. And in fact, gee, I wonder why. (laughs) And in fact, there are studies that show the exact opposite. The most common example given is the report that showed a rise of suicidality among adults who had undergone sex reassignment surgery. That is so sad. I know. Because you think, like, we're not dealing with, I guess, I mean, we're all sinful people, but it's not like we're dealing with criminals, for example. There are in some cases, but we're dealing with people who have such a deep-rooted hate of who they've been made to be. Mm -hmm. And to have people come and to not help them, but instead to hurt them, 
Like, this is sad. It's like they seriously think there is something wrong with them. The majority of people that, I think this would be accurate, that the people who have gender dysphoria are genuinely broken people. And they're genuinely hurting. They don't know where to turn. Absolutely. And so they turn to these people who are going, hey, let's chop off some of your body parts. Let's pump you full of the opposite sex hormones. How is that helping? Mm -hmm. They turn to what they think is going to accept them. It's affirming... well, they think that they're getting help, right? Or, and I like if you're listening to this, and if you have, and if like you've felt these emotions and stuff before, it's it's not help. It's hurt, right? And that's why it's so important to uh, get good Christian mentors and to understand your Bible and to understand that God made you for a purpose and that God loves you exactly. regardless of He made you how special. you feel about yourself. There are good works set in front of us in front of every single person and all we need to do is follow christ and we will find them that is exactly. our purpose in life to serve and glorify god through those yes. good works mm-hmm. and it's hard still we're not just saying that if you i follow christ and now it's all going to be happy oh, right no like, not at it's all it's not a one day one week one month one year thing even sometimes this is a lifetime of battling against these things and we all have things that we're going to battle against throughout our life simply because we don't live in a perfect world and that is why we need christ exactly but truth is the only thing that you can stand on that isn't going to eventually sink and that's why it's so important to understand your bible and to and to just understand the nature of this and understand that you were made by God for With a purpose. purpose. Exactly. It's, and it's an especially destructive lie because it attacks yourself and inside yourself. The deepest root of ev- it's I mean it, it, think, it, it attacks you everywhere physically, right, spiritually, exactly. mentally. Like your gender is something that everything it's relies like on. Part of you. Our it's, sexuality is so embedded in us. It's on our bones. That's why people can do archaeological digs and find bones and find out if the specimen was a male or a female. It is in every cell of our body that screams mm-hmm. our genetic makeup. But God made it that way and he made it fearfully and wonderfully. And he called it very good. Right. And so we know even if you struggle with this, just know you are made good. God mm-hmm. made you good and special. In light of all this, I would just like to say a couple solutions because i've gone through a lot of the causes of the transgender wave that's happened and basically what Alyssa you've just pointed out is is transgen is transitioning a solution and it's not it's it's not not. because the study concludes by finding that there are no long-term studies on desistance rates for those who have no childhood history of dysphoria but there are many desisters and detransitioners who were influenced by their peers to identify as transgender and later realize they weren't actually transgender. Mm-hmm. And so transitioning is not a solution. And I know people are wondering, well, okay, if transitioning isn't a solution, then what can I do to kind of bypass, like if you're a parent, what can I do to kind of bypass this path for my child? Or even if you're a person struggling this, what can you do for yourself to bypass, or not even bypass, but to just What to is help? your solution? Right. Exactly, what is your solution here? And or first if of you all, have a friend, how can you help them? Right, and first of all, I would say, what are you watching on your devices? Good Entertainment point. is so Entertainment is so important. Technology was one of the biggest factors in transgender influence. So I guess what you're kind of saying is like find the root cause of, I, I guess, try to find the root cause. Yes. And it's not always very easily seen. Like some of these things can be far, far embedded into childhood memories, into like as 
just your entire past history and life and that sort of thing but like do your best to search your search yourself and like see where is the root cause of this coming from what things are helping me and what things are hurting me exactly yeah abigail shire in her book actually listed a girl who was going through gender dysphoria and I believe the parents reached out to her for help and she suggested they get rid of all technology. The parents ended up taking her to a horse farm, I believe. No technology, got away from her friends that were pressuring her to do this, that were affirming her in all of these decisions. The problem went away. Wow. Like that. The problem went away. When you got rid of the bad friends, when you got that rid really, of technology really that was influencing well, you. That uh, bad company does, in fact, yep. it does. Good, good the character. Bible is always correct. Exactly. And if you're still struggling with this and you're like, okay, well, that's great. What if I don't do technology? And what if I have great friends, but I'm still struggling with this this feeling that I'm just not, I don't like how I am, then I would say instead of doing going to a counselor that would affirm you in all your feelings, like I said previously, find a gospel, Bible-believing church, go to a biblical counselor, look at yes. their credentials, make sure they've gone to good schools, and go to them and be honest with them. Get and have them disciple you friends. and mentor you and get you through this period in your life. Because a, this is a very serious thing. We're not trying to downplay anything you're going through, but there is a solution that is Bible-focused and not self-centered. Absolutely. A good Christian counselor can help you. As Absolutely. iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens the countenance of his brother. And that is what the church was for. That is what community is for. And you'll probably hear us talk about this again later, but it's so true. What neural pathways are you forming in your brain by telling yourself this message over and over and over again? Or allowing yourself to think those thoughts. Right. So root out what thoughts you're telling yourself and replace them with scripture. Specifically, go to the Bible Root out which thought it is. Go to the Bible and find a scripture verse that says the truth about that and repeat that to yourself. Memorize the scripture. Mm -hmm. And pray about it. Wrestle with it with God. And if you're not a Christian and this is something you're struggling with, then I would seriously consider, yeah, like what is it that's keeping you from being a Christian, right? And what are the things that you are believing that, I guess, go against that, right? And because Christianity magnifies the problem by about 100% and makes it so much more that, but even without Christianity as a whole, like transgenderism and it on our society is still a problem because it's not like we're saying it's wrong and we're seeing that it's help it's helping like Alyssa said it's it hasn't helped and it's making transitioning it and it yeah it hasn't helped in fact in a lot of cases it's made it worse and i would just like to point this out because for any people who are not believers that are watching this you might think well this is just a christian issue no it's not it's a societal issue mm-hmm. we look at um empires that are no longer here babylon rome we look at all of these empires that people thought would never go away, and yet because of their sin, God judged them. I mean, and America is being judged right now. What we're seeing with the kids being dragged to drag queen shows, that is God's judgment on God America. God does not hold sin lightly, and he no, does not he hold sin dragging little children to sin lightly either. Absolutely not. So even though you might think this is just a Christian issue, it's not. It's a, it's a societal issue. And if we think that God is just going to laugh off our sin and continue to allow us to degrade his image, we are fooling ourselves. Absolutely. 
And one of the things that we find kind of transitioning back that we find in scripture is that being a woman is beautiful. That God is a lover of a woman's Amen. soul. Yes. So Jenna, I would just like to say, can men be, or ask you, can men become women? Is there something special about being a woman in the image of God? What can, is a woman? Can what is a men woman? become women? The ageless question. No, men cannot become women. <laughs> what are you talking about? God created us so differently that we could literally be aliens to each other. Men generally think one way. Women generally think another. We were, Our bodies were designed differently. Our thought processes are designed differently. And honestly, in the year we currently find ourselves in, it's become the norm to, for every term or, or word relating to men and women, biology, sex. It all all those terms to seem to become rel- relative. Am, am I am the only That's one who's seeing one of this? The, no, it's no, one of absolutely. the ways they play. You think of newspeak, it's how they take over a culture. They change the language. When you own the dictionary, when you own the children, you own the culture. Amen. Nothing can be completely true anymore because according to our culture, truth itself is relative. A little bit of Jenna sarcasm here. <laughs> <laughs> so when folks like Matt Walsh come onto the scene with documentaries from the Daily Wire asking what is in fact a woman people genuinely don't know how to answer even if it's matt walsh himself (laughs) exactly and when we began self-evident i've said this before but we really did begin it because we know truth has been actively rejected and canceled if you might say and the majority of americans are swallowing lies just with blindly because it's been fed to them by the institutions that channeled the tides of culture. That's what's influencing them, and that's what they're seeing. Yeah. So watching the Daily Wire's What is a Woman film, I recently uh, just watched it through. Um, I actually was genuinely stunned at how your average American would just go blank when asked that simple question, what is a woman? Mm-hmm. They couldn't. And sadly, Matt Walsh actually only provided the textbook def- definition of a woman, which quote is an adult human female which what is a human and i think like we what a man is has become such a like you have a lot of conversations about it there's a lot of organizations dedicated to understanding that and that's such a good thing like there should be that because you should understand who god made you to be i want to plug two books actually real quick okay go ahead um uh, there's uh i think it's joe rigney's book it's good to be a man um fantastic book and then there's doug wilson's future men future men by doug wilson that one is fantastic as well and if you are looking for what is a man those are incredible books to go to because we're not men so we're not really i mean we can say what exactly exactly we're not quite qualified but (laughs) to uh get back to it's like we can try (laughs) if you'd like us to try let us know in the comments below (laughs) comment in the comments down below if you want to know what we think a man is no i'm kidding okay don't do that all right what the bible says a man we might have an episode on that in the future so stay tuned and so but we don't really see many organizations and stuff dedicated to like what is a woman like it's not it's not the like womanhood i don't feel like you see it as much meant to be sought out it's because it's become so confused and conflicted in culture like we talked about in the feminism episodes yes and so like while there's all of these things for men like about what they are and who they are and that sort of thing it's not as much about it for women it's interesting that you've seen a lot of things in culture talking about what a man is because i've seen some in biblical circles but i think like womanhood biblical masculinity has become so confused in culture that people don't really know what a man not even conservatives do they're just Mm -hmm. like oh what is a man Mm -hmm. right lumberjack 
I've no. seen what? I've seen a lot more recently about what a woman is. I mean, because you have the Daily Wire documentary, you have Rebecca Merkel's book that came out, or but at least I, people attempting to explain what I don't a woman know, is. Because that's that's right. That's what I wanted to say. Because um, Matt Walsh's documentary, yes, he's asking the question, "What is a woman?" But he does not provide an answer. Exactly, and you know, I actually, I going back, I would totally agree with you. I would agree in culture, the definition of what is a man what is a woman is completely skewed messed up nothing makes sense right but like in a christian circle i would also say that it's like i'd say people attempt to do things and it's very hard for them to yeah and that's that's literally why we've started this podcast and so because we have all the answers no we don't no we don't (laughs) so someone has to say something about this (laughs) and we pray by god's grace that we can speak some truth So Jenna, I know you were rightly disappointed that Matt Walsh did not give a biblical definition of what a woman is. So if you could just shed some light on that. Well, in order to understand what is a woman, you need to understand why it's so special to be a human at all. Because Mm -hmm. did you know, you guys, that you, you yourselves, just you, like you, yes, you, me, you. You were created in the image of a holy and awesome God. And not only were you created in his image, you were created by him. Whoa. That is awesome. In Genesis 1, it says that God created mankind in his own image. And I know we've quoted this before earlier in the podcast. In the image of God, he created male and female. And it was very good. We are special because God made us special. Life is precious because God says it is. You, if you're a woman... You are a woman because God created you that way. And if you're a man, God created you that way. And it is very good. Because God is good. Amen. In the beginning, God creates Adam, who is the crown of creation, because Adam is made in God's image to tend and take dominion over the Garden of Eden. But the task is not, it's not, it's insurmountable for just one person because, well, the way I see it is there are way too many facets to the gem that is creation man cannot possibly cultivate and dominate the way he was designed to without a helper and so god caused adam to sleep and brought forth from him a woman his helper and we know that the role of helper is not a lesser role it is just as special and just as amazing as we are the crown of the crown of creation the glory of the glory of creation i believe i remember reading somewhere that uh the word helper used was actually the same word that they've used to describe god in the bible and so like the holy spirit paraclete that one Mm -hmm. yep (laughs) (laughs) because it's not talking about something like in uh, inferior but in talking in terms of helper as in a woman is like that aspect of god helper is kind of it rubs all the feathers the wrong way And this is where the feminists come in and say, how dare you suggest we were created to only help men because that means we're beneath them, right? Mm -hmm. And that is where we're completely mistaken. I think we went through this a little bit in our feminist podcasts because as Alyssa pointed out, yes, we are the crown of the crown of creation. We are the glory of the glory because um, man was created in the image and glory of God. And Becca Merkel says this in Even Exile and Honestly, we're just going to keep quoting her until the end of the ages because it's just a great book. (laughs) So man was created in the image and glory of God. But then along came the woman, second, and an even more concentrated form of glory. She is the glory of the glory of God. And so what is a woman? A woman is a human that is designed by God to glorify and to serve him. 
and to help her significant other take dominion of the world. That, that is our, our destiny. We were made to sub- help subdue, fill, and glorify the earth. Why wouldn't we think that's special? I don't know. Because I think that's pretty cool. It's been so twisted in the world. I mean, you mm-hmm. think of what Satan attacks, like we said earlier, he attacks those things. And if you think about it, that's we're willingly submitting to one person. We're not submitting to men in general. That's not what we were created to do. Man was created for one role. Woman was created for another. And that is just the way God made the world. There is no way you can switch over. And together they harmonize beautifully. We we are we make pretty music together. Yes, we do. With all that said, let us firmly rely on the protection of divine providence. As Calvin once said, the surest source of destruction to men is to obey themselves. So don't obey yourself. Don't obey yourself. Yeah, obey God. Until next time, this is self-evident. Bye-bye.